Hi, before we get started with the episode, we just wanted to point you in the direction of the social accounts we've set up for the show to help you guys engage with us and communicate and get involved with our show. You can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Emailing us will really be the best way to talk to us directly and conversate with us on air during the show. Also, be sure to like You Can't Disappoint a Podcast on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast and Twitter at You Can't Disappod. That's disappod like disappoint. So there's one S and two P's. Well, thanks for tuning in and let's kick off the episode. Here we go. <laughs> You've just stopped being a study group. You've become something unstoppable. I hereby pronounce you a community. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to sit. We're going to go. Okay. Okay, I'll follow your lead. Hello, this is You Can't Disappoint, a podcast, the very first episode. I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And we're here to talk about one of our very favorite sitcoms, Community, episode by episode. Really excited to be doing it. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Get a good chance to dive in. I haven't watched through the show in a few years now, so it'll be good to get a fresh look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so how did you first find Community? Um, I actually watched it when it came on originally. Um, it came on after the, the Office, which I watched every week through its entirety. Um, and I was a fan of The Soup, so I was excited to check it out at the time. Yeah, I read a lot about, you know, tuning into this first episode of Community. For a lot of people, it was, will Joel McHale actually be able to act? Because he was just like the soup guy, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I actually, I'm right there with you. I caught the first episode of Community as it aired, like after The Office, like you said, and it didn't do a whole lot for me. Totally. I I think that I remember watching maybe the first half of the first season and not really jumping back, you know, not really disliking it, but I definitely didn't like it as much as The Office at the time. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, this was 11 years ago, so I would have been like 12 yeah yeah we were not necessarily at the uh refined point we are now yeah yeah the <laughs> mature man of 23 that stands before you today exactly i don't know uh the show the first episode's really like breakfast club referential and yes has the whole episode just feels like those 80s group of misfits movies and at the time I watched the show for the first time, I hadn't seen any of those movies yet. So I don't think the references really did a lot for me at the time. But now I can see it through a totally different lens. Ah, see, I had definitely seen and was well aware of The Breakfast Club when I saw this. And I think that's why I did enjoy it. Yeah. I think my biggest issue early on was um, more so just kind of the, not the pacing but just the delivery was a little different early on. I'm normally not a fan of pilot episodes of shows. Cause yeah, pilots like, are tough. Yeah, they're hard to be good, right? Because it's like, oh, let me introduce you to everybody. And that just gets very repetitive, you know, over time. But I actually think they do a, a fairly good job of introducing everyone without them, you know, kind of forcing down your throat. Here's another character. Here's another character. Like, you kind of, you know, get introduced to all of them sporadically. 
but yeah. also in one big burst, which is cool. Yeah. I definitely... So, I saw the first episode when it aired. It didn't stick. I didn't keep watching the show. And then, years later, it would have been between seasons, like, three and four. I rented all the DVDs and just binged them and fell in love with them. And it was... I've always been obsessed with TV. I feel like I... Not in always, but I do feel like I relate to Abed a little bit to where, mm-hmm. especially when I was younger, it was like media was my everything. And Community was one of the first shows that I got to fall in love with and get engaged with it a little bit. Like throughout the years when the show was really on the bubble and it was never for certain if it was going to come back or not, I was right there with everybody like tweeting up a storm and i remember when they got canceled after season five i was messaging netflix support trying to get them to pick up the show and i don't know it was one of the it's one of the first shows that i got really into that it just felt like a active loving fan community that just loves the show it did totally i kind of it's funny how i got back into community was because of donald glover i saw the music video for one of his earlier songs on tv and i was like oh i like that and i became a big fan of his music and after that, I decided to give Community another chance. I think it was probably... Season 3 was about to start. So the second season had aired. And um, so then I watched the first two seasons. I think I, I must have rented them or something. Because I don't think it was on Hulu at the time. I remember getting them from then, the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember I watched them and I, I really enjoyed it. And then watched season 3 on TV. And I kind of stuck with it um, through the first five seasons. And then I was right there with you. You know, when it got canceled, very upset. But I actually only watched, I think, the first episode maybe of season six when it aired on Yahoo Screen. Yeah, you didn't, didn't, you didn't really good. fall into season six, did you? I didn't. And of course, we'll, was... we'll get there a long time in the future. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, so I've actually never seen season six of the show, which I kind of um, at some point became a little bit intentional because I knew we were planning to watch through it all again at some point. And yeah. so I was kind of waiting for that moment and it has come upon us yeah and i think it'll be great to get your perspective on watching those episodes for the first time when we do get to them so we can have like i know them pretty well and you won't know them so your reaction will be be fresh and and real whereas while watching this pilot for like the probably 80th (laughs) time i don't know how many times i've tried to get people to watch this show with me it's hard to i was really trying to put myself in that mentality of i'm watching this for the first time and i'm trying to absorb this and fall back in love with it and it's hard to separate your love for the show i don't know it's hard to separate and to see it through new eyes i don't know well absolutely i i feel kind of lucky because since it's been so long since i've seen the pilot especially Mm -hmm. um i i remembered most of the of the jokes but a couple of them definitely hit like it was the first time which was kind of fun um and i really enjoyed kind of getting to see some of the characters before they're really developed yeah and before you actually know what you know about them just kind of in that infancy stage of you know here i am right so before we get too deep into it just to say yeah we're discussing the pilot episode of community it's just titled pilot it originally aired on september 17th 2009 and it was directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, which, do you know who those people are? The names sound familiar. What else did they do? The Russo brothers now are like the most sought after directors in all of Hollywood. They direct all the Avengers movies now. Okay, that's what it, okay, the they, Avengers is what I knew their names from. That's they started awesome. with, uh, I think it was Captain America uh, Winter Soldier. Soldier. And they directed the most recent Endgame and 
I don't know. I don't really watch the Marvel movies. Whichever one was before Endgame, Infinity yeah. War. Is that what's called? War, I don't which know. I thought both of those were fantastic, and as a big fan of the Marvel movies, two of the best superhero movies to ever be made, I think. Okay, so the Russo brothers got their start directing TV like this. They directed a lot of episodes of Arrested Development. And oh, well, which, you know, we both love. Oh, yeah, I love it. And they were pretty integral in community coming together and working with Dan Harmon to create wow. the look of the show, and they helped cast... Um, they helped get Dan connected with the band who wrote the theme song, all kinds of stuff. So they were huge for the show, and they directed That's this. Awesome. First, they directed this first episode, and the episode looks great. I think so too. Yeah, definitely the shots are really cool. There's mm-hmm. a, a really cool shot we'll probably talk about later on when they're at the table that definitely stands out to me. This episode it makes the school feel really big, and all the mm-hmm. people on campus, and there's a lot going on, which isn't what happens for the rest of the show but they just really did a good job making this feel like a living breathing place yeah totally especially like even the opening scene with dean (laughs) helton standing you know at at a very small podium with a little boom box but it still looks like he's giving some sort of orientation speech to you know students to literally whoever will listen (laughs) that's nearby (laughs) whoever just happens to be walking by at the time uh and then also yeah it was directed by the russo brothers and it was written by dan Harmon, the series creator um, the show came from Dan's experience going to a community college, and he kind of uh, mimicked the Jeff character after himself a little bit, which if you know much about Dan Harmon, I think that shows a lot. Absolutely. Um, and I guess he went to a community college to try to... He had like a girlfriend that he was having trouble with. And to try to make the relationship better, they both signed up for community college and both signed up for Spanish class. And he thought that like the drive to and from class and all that, that that would be helpful and it would make their relationship better. And it didn't, but it led to the idea for the show, which is great. Well, hey, you know, at least we came out winners in the situation. Right. And (laughs) I'm honestly surprised that he didn't take the concept of the show a little more literal to that and make it like right? he was with an ex-girlfriend. It would have been so easy to do that. that and make feels that like that would have worked really spot. well, but I don't think mm-hmm. it would have been as good. Absolutely. I think it might have you know been a little more successful early on, but I don't think it, that would have had the staying power yeah. that the show ended up doing. But I guess while he was in this community college, he kind of did form a group of people that were different from him and he learned a lot from, and um, he's someone who's really kind of narcissistic and kind of uh closed off from other people and it helped mm-hmm. him it helped warm his heart a little bit which shows a lot i think he captures that feeling really well throughout the I show i think so too and i think that you know it was interesting reading that he had based the character off himself because i had never read that before yeah you know doing the research for this episode but it's it's kind of you know seeing how jeff develops and things like that it's it's mm-hmm. kind of cool how he takes a look at himself through that lens because you know jeff is not necessarily painted as a stand-up guy, especially in this first episode. Yeah, there. Are, we'll get know. to it as we really go through it, but there are a couple of things that Jeff does in this episode or says that I was like, wow. I don't remember right? him being so... Like, he was always kind of an ass, but he he's kind of mean in this episode a couple places, and he's the main character of the show that we're supposed to like and root for. And this Absolutely. says a lot to Joel McHale's... He has such a great screen presence, and he's so funny, and he's so likable even when... He's like, ain't I a scamp, you know? He's so likable even yeah. when he's being terrible. So Joel McHale actually got casted on the show because of Dan Harmon's girlfriend at the time. Um, they were really having mm-hmm. trouble finding Jeff because he is kind of an unlikable character a little bit, but you have to like him, so you need someone yeah. who can really balance that. 
and I guess the soup was on, and Dan Harmon's girlfriend was like, that's the guy. And wow. Dan, and Dan Harmon agreed, and he met with Joel. And that's how that's that so came. That's so cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, same with, I thought this was super interesting with Chevy being casted. So obviously Chevy Chase being the <laughs> the legend that he is, like truly regardless yeah. <laughs> of, of his, his, just the way he acts and talks to people apparently. Uh, he's a comedy mm. legend. He's super funny. And before Absolutely. the show, Dan had admired him for a long time, which of course he did. And mm-hmm. he really wanted Pierce to help Chevy's career because Chevy had this bad reputation before community of being hard to work with and being mean to people on set totally being a diva and so he wanted Pierce to be Dan wanted Pierce to be kind of a pathetic character and he really wanted Chevy to not like ham up the wise ass character that he normally is and he wanted him to let Pierce be like this (laughs) pathetic old man and I think at least in the I think Chevy did a pretty good job of it I, I know there's a lot out there about how difficult he was to work with, so I don't know how much of it yeah. is his effort and how much of it is what they salvaged. Well, and when I was reading that, I kind of laughed because at first I was like, well, Pierce is a total wise-ass the whole show, but then I thought, and I was like, you know what? He actually, he is pathetic, and he yeah. is the butt of the joke, which normally, you know, in Chevy Chase's roles, he really isn't that. Yeah, he's usually like the Jeff. Exactly. Which is a big part of the show is, you know, how Pierce sees Jeff as a younger version of himself and he wants to be like Jeff and he wants Jeff to like him. Totally. The other thing I read that was interesting was even further, Pierce was based off of Chevy Chase. Uh, Chevy Chase's ancestors are the Crane family and they have an empire of some sort that makes a lot of different products that we still use today, kind of similar to Hawthorne Wives. (laughs) That's hilarious. I never knew that. Um, what else we got? The Annie was modeled after a character from the movie Election that Reese Witherspoon yes. played. I haven't seen that film, but I've heard it's, it's good. It is. It's, you know, right? Reese Witherspoon in that time didn't really miss a whole lot. Yeah. You know, especially if you're a, yeah. a fan um, of um, the name just Legally Blonde, which I'm a big fan, especially of the first one. Um, and I think that Election's kind of in that same vein where she plays that, you know, really cutesy but still really smart kind of character. And I think that seeing that Annie was based off that character makes a lot of sense. I like it. Yeah, and I guess they originally wanted Annie to potentially be Asian or Latina to have Mm -hmm. more diversity in the group. But they had trouble finding someone who fit that archetype. And then they knew uh, Alison Brie, who was on Mad Men at the time. and. Yeah. I guess she was one of the last people they casted for the show. It came together kind of last minute. Mm. And I'm really glad. I, I, I am too, because, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate the, you know, the mind to find a, a diverse, you know, group. But I think that Alison Brie really plays the character pretty perfectly. And, you know, is is so spot on. Yeah, her, her speaking voice has this manner of being so, like, soft and gentle and cuddly. But there's something more to it. I don't Absolutely. know. And I feel like she's very intentional about when she switches to a lower... Yeah tone kind of like Shirley a little bit too (laughs) yeah absolutely the other thing I saw that I learned this from listening to the audio commentary for the pilot Jim Rash Mm. was casted the day before shooting his scene in the pilot are you serious he's he's only in the one scene at the very beginning of the pilot and I guess they had a lot of trouble casting the dean they uh, met with a lot of people and nobody really fit it and they Mm -hmm. found Jim and casted him the day before they filmed his scene when they were already halfway done shooting the pilot. Wow. That's and, crazy. 
man, Jim Rash and Dean Pelton, such an amazing, important part of the show, even if not quite in this first episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in the latter seasons, I felt myself, you know, looking forward to whatever the Dean was going to do that episode, you know, because he was guaranteed to right. get one laugh, I think, right. like every episode. Uh, Joel McHale says all the time, uh, Joel McHale and Kim Jong have a podcast now that I love listening to, and he says it on the podcast, and he even says it on the commentary I listened to tonight about how Jim Rash is just one of those people that he would have a line that's not specifically funny, that there's not specifically a laugh in it, and he would just make it hilarious somehow. That's awesome. I believe it, absolutely. Um, a thing that I, I read as well um, when it comes to improvisation and things like that was that Chevy Chase, a lot of the time, a lot of his, you know, script was unscripted. You know, a lot of the, you know, kind of scene enders he would come up with himself, which is kind of cool. And not terribly surprising because of how successful he was on SNL. Yeah, but. I think it's cool. And I also think it probably led to some of the frustration with him. Mm-hmm. I think that he would like pretty much only improvise a lot of the time. Ah, even when he wasn't supposed to probably. Right. Something I learned from the commentary that I thought was super interesting, the costumer for the pilot, the person who put the look of all the characters together for the pilot is the costume designer for Wes Anderson's films. Really? Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Okay, I'd be interested to kind of really pay attention to the colors then because I know the mm-hmm. dean early on the thing I know is he's dressed like Dwight Schrute. But there's some <laughs> interesting costuming choices in this episode. In one of Jeff's first scenes when he's in Duncan's office, he's wearing sweatpants with his suit jacket and V-neck under it. <laughs> and throughout the episode, Pierce has these, like, two necklaces on that the I beads. don't totally get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Annie's sweater is also a very interesting chartreuse bright shade <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the costuming yeah. really pops. Um yeah, and I think that's really interesting that that's the person who did that. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I also learned in the original script for the pilot, Jeff's last name was Crocker. It was really? Jeff Crocker. Jeff Crocker. And that just doesn't sound right. No, you know? I think that Winger sounds more like a, you know, Jeff cool Winger, guy. Jeffrey Winger, and just like how the trope of each episode ending with like a Winger speech, you know? The name right? Winger, it Winger. just resonates with Jeff and with community. And mm-hmm. I wonder why they made that change. I wonder if they knew that it didn't have the right ring, because that's something really trivial. You know, if his name was Crocker, we wouldn't think any otherwise, because that's just what it no. was. So I wonder but I where think that... that Winger sounds so much cooler. Yeah, if I ever... so much more fitting. If I ever got a chance to talk to anybody who would have an answer, I would love to love to see why that happened or what made the change. Yeah, I think it's definitely one that's for the better, but I wonder what brought that about. If it was like a right. suggestion, they were like... Mm. One more fun fact, and then a couple of, like, mistakes from the pilot. The fun fact is that Shirley's first, that's nice, Mm -hmm. was an ad-lib. Really? Are you serious? It it happens right after Jeff, in his big speech at the end, says, I pronounce you a community. A community, And Shirley says, I like that. That's nice. Yvette Nicole Brown said on the Darkest Timeline podcast that she just, like, said that as a reaction. And that's it really crazy. Worked for her character, and it became yeah, like catchphrase. That's her whole thing. I, mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's see the couple of mistakes that were pointed out from this one. In the pilot, Jeff mentions that he asked to replace his bachelor's to practice law again. Mm-hmm. But then later in the series, in season four, when he graduates, he graduates with an associate in education. Huh. Which is interesting. Yeah, that's a. I I feel like that wouldn't have been too hard to keep track of. Yeah, I wonder what the decision-making process for that was like. And I'm sure it wouldn't have been that way if Dan was around season four. 
Yeah, right? Um, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure what they were going for with that. Uh, the other thing, the study room in this episode is shown to be upstairs. Yeah, she does say come back upstairs mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And, well, a lot of the sets in this episode, you can tell, are different from how they normally, where they normally shot the show. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the outside campus looks different. After this pilot, when they went back to continue filming the season, that you know they rebuilt sets and built yeah. a set that looked just like the study room. So yeah, in this first episode, they mention it being upstairs, and it never is on the rest of the show. Oh. Also, Britta claims to have been a part of the Peace Corps for a while as a volunteer. Yeah. Which is impossible because to be to volunteer for them, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Oh, and she says she dropped out of high school. Yep. <laughs> Didn't yep. quite fact check that one. Yep, so that's what I've got as far as, like, fun facts and mistakes. Uh, oh, I thought as a mistake you were just going to mention the uh, opening song and graphic in general, because that was, that was rough. But yeah. Opening song and graphic? What do you mean? The There's, like, a little two-second little community thing that pops up with, like, a really blurry shot of, like, people sped up walking around the little kind of outside area. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not on the dvd one maybe they got rid of it i don't it. know i don't know the hulu version that you watch should have been the full i know i read it on amazon and on netflix for whatever reason the episodes have been edited a little mm-hmm. bit for instance there's a scene towards the beginning of the pilot where jeff's talking to like the older lady and talks to her about being like how he thinks all older black women are like cosmic yeah. cosmic apparently that scene's cut out the when she really i thought that was funny seinfeld seinfeld yeah, yeah i guess that, i laughed at that i guess that scene's cut out there are a couple there there was actually a pretty long list of stuff that was cut out wow that's the, crazy i don't know so much out like three or four minutes shorter wow do we do we have trivia questions let's go ahead i and do, do i have i have we... three and okay. i have an alternate I also have in case three. one of us have the same i also have three let's go back and forth you can go first Okay, this one's kind of a, you know, ooh, where you're really looking, you know. But you've seen this episode enough times that you might get this right. We'll see. What color are the three uh, balloons tied to the boombox at the beginning? Oh of the my episode? goodness, Steven. I, <laughs> the other oh, ones aren't that brutal. I you, really, <laughs> you really wanted to stump me, didn't you? I did. With I was like, I'll do one really just like. I one know one away. was red. Mm-hmm. Was it red, white, and black? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Is that exactly right? Nice. That's exactly right. Okay. Nicely done. All right, so for you, what were Toastmaster Pierce's false introductions for each study group member? All right, you already know Brittles. Britta? Uh, Abed, Abed the Arab. <laughs> Is that inappropriate? Sure. Roy, Roy the Wonder Boy. Roy. Little Princess Elizabeth. Annie. And finally, this beautiful creature is named Shirley. Is that even close? Oh, that would be Brittles. Mm-hmm. Abed the Arab, and then he follows it up with, "Is that inappropriate? <laughs> Is that inappropriate?" Sure. And Abed goes, "Sure." sure. <laughs> and then, oh, it's Roy, Roy the, um, yeah, yeah, that's our boy, our boy Roy, or something like that. Very and then close. Princess, Princess Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, and the last one, the most important one. Well, I don't remember all the flowery things he says before it, but he calls Shirley by her right. Yeah, name just Shirley. Uh, <laughs> it was Shirley. Roy, Roy the Wonder Boy. Roy the Wonder Boy. <laughs> but, it's Troy. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to give you that one. We'll get back to this oh, one later. I, that was one of my hardest through, laughs. To go through the episode. Uh, what was the one I was thinking of? Damn it. We can cut all this anyway. Let's just start over. Hi. Welcome to episode <laughs> one of... 
Hi, I'm Oh, Kian. yeah. Wait, my favorite part of that is he says, and this delicate creature is, of course, Shirley. And Jeff goes, is that of even course. close? And is that even Shirley, close? Shirley just gives it like a, mm-hmm, look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What's my next one? All right. What game did Britta say that Jeff was playing on his phone all during Bejeweled. The Bejeweled. It was Bejeweled. Bejeweled. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. How much money do you think Bejeweled paid to slip that one in there? Or you think that was a free I game? think they probably had to pay Bejeweled. That, that game used <laughs> to be worth it? everywhere and so popular. That's true. It was like Candy Crush. Absolutely. I think Candy Crush literally is Bejeweled. Isn't it just the same thing? Did they just switch it to Candy instead? Who cares? All right. We should do a <laughs> We should just scrap the community podcast and do a Candy Crush podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I've never played Candy Crush, so Me it either. could really be my Candy Crush yeah. saga. Um, we could review episode by episode. There's a Candy Crush game show hosted by Mario Lopez, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. You're kidding. I don't know. Let's, we could find <laughs> out. <laughs> I'd believe it. All right, next question for you. Uh, this one's a little mm-hmm. easier. What was Troy's specific injury in high school? Ah, it was from dislocating both shoulders doing a keg flip. Not a keg stand, yes. a keg flip, which is very difficult. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. That was a good one. That was a good one. Speaking Troy-related question. Okay. Um, What high school did Troy and Annie go to? Oh, my goodness. I can hear the lines when they're talking about it. Because he's like, how did mm-hmm. you know I went to... This is a guess I don't think I know. Is Northwestern? Close, close. You're not really close. Uh, what Riverside. Was it? Yeah. No. Now, the alternate, I did have an alternate question in case one of okay. ours were the same, so I can throw that at you, too. Okay, well, I'll do You'll my last one. one, then you can. Go ahead. Okay, what was Professor Duncan attempting to get during his car accident? Oh, um, is it a chalupa? Yeah, it sure is a chalupa. Nice, nice. That was a good one. I, I love chalupas. Oh, that, I, was, I wanted to say gordita for some reason. Maybe I just got, you know... Is Gordita a real thing, or is that like a Taco Bell? I don't know. Word? Is that only a Taco, Taco Bell thing? It might just be a Taco Bell. Yeah, I think it might be. Well, my alternate question, you'll probably get this one. What okay. class did Annie sit behind Troy in? See, I was thinking so hard about what my questions were going to be. That right, that you, you missed the weird stuff. <laughs> algebra? Was it algebra? That's exactly what it was. Algebra, yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. Nice. So you still got three right, you know. Yeah, and so, so did that you. was good. No, well, I got three. I got three good. out of we four. Paid, yeah. We paid pretty good. Yeah, we but did. to be fair, you got the really ridiculously hard one. That if you hadn't seen the episode like eighty times, I don't think anyone would get that. I feel like you were trying to think of something really hard, and you were like, "That was one of the first images in the episode." So you're like, "What are those colors? <laughs> Write them down." It was like the very first. I was like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> so yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, All right, the, let's do it. The episode starts off with those red, white, and black balloons and this really great shot of the Greendale campus, and we meet Dean Pelton. Uh, I think it's so fitting that he's the first character that we see in the show. Even if he's barely in the pilot, I think he's such a welcoming face <laughs> to bring us into this world, even if this is a slightly less chaotic version of it, you know? Right. And everybody looks like a baby. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so weird seeing Donald Glover especially because yeah. he just like visually looks so different. Like even his face, you know. Annie looks like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Allison Brie looks yeah. so young. 
the Dean, he looks tiny. Like, he looks yeah. a lot younger than he does in the future and how he looks now. And it's, yeah, especially Donald and Joel even. Joel's gotten way more ripped. Absolutely. He looks... Joel definitely looks a lot better. And now, Chevy... Lot, you know, more fit. Chevy even, he's been posting some stuff on Instagram lately, and he does not look well. Oh, no. I think the last picture I saw of him, he looked very not well, and that was probably three years ago when I saw something. I was like, ooh. So I love how the Dean just, like, stumbles through his speech. And <laughs> but... <laughs> when, when he first presses play on the speaker, it's this classic community little blurb of music that they use all the time. It's like the, I'm as high as hell. No, you're about to get shot. I'm as high <laughs> a, as hell. Yeah, you're about to, get shot. about to get shot. <laughs> yeah, oh it's my great. Gosh. I love it's it. It's so good. And I love that how long it takes him to turn it off. Because yeah. it just, it's very clear that everyone, wa- like the few people that have gathered to listen to him talk. <laughs> yeah. Most people <laughs> are just doing their own done. thing and they're like, who is this weasel talking in the middle of the, in the middle of the quad or whatever. Exactly. I love that he just fumbles through the whole speech and then he ends it so confidently after saying everything wrong with, and I wish you luck. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, it's so, so great. funny. Yeah, I liked um, I a, a joke that I had absolutely forgotten about that I got a really good laugh over was Abed's mm-hmm. opening kind of joke, um, where he you know was talking about his dad and his dad you know not being angry at America, but he was angry at his mom for leaving. But she did leave him because he was angry, and he was angry because she was American. You know, just the, how straightforward he shoots through that is just so hilarious. And and Jeff just not not caring. Both at of them. All. That scene. That's such a great introduction for abed specifically but both of the characters Mm -hmm. it's so funny how abed just rattles it all off and that's the first thing we hear and then it's the (laughs) i forget how they word it but he was just asking what time it was yeah he was like well when you asked it was 11 minutes past five yes yes (laughs) and uh what what does jeff say um it was nice to get to know you and then meet you in that order (laughs) in that order yeah and during Uh, this conversation we see Britta for the first time. Yes, um, Abed, my heart. Abed knows everything about Britta just from when she... He's like, asked, I only talked to her once. <laughs> yeah, to borrow a pencil. Let's talk about Britta for a second because I think as much as I love Gillian Jacobs and Britta's character, I think Britta mm-hmm. is probably the thing this episode does the worst. Yeah. There's very I, li- I don't disagree there. There's very little to her character in this other than to be who Jeff is hoping to hop in bed with. Absolutely. And all all of the things she does and say are just driven by that, how they fit the plot instead of giving her much of a character. I agree. I think that she her sole purpose, like you said, is just to be kind of what Jeff is after. Mm-hmm. You know, and she and Brit is a character who I think is very strong about her convictions, as mm-hmm. misguided as they are sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like her, you know, the honesty that she is conveying when she says how much she values honesty and all that, and then to, you know, be like, oh, I lied. And I get that's part of the joke, but I think it it just kind of keeps her depth at a very shallow level. Whereas you see, you know, Jeff growing through the episode, you see, you know, Abed doing Abed things through the episode. They just have a lot more layers, you know, to them than I think they give Britta right off the bat. The only thing that she really gets that feels like Britta is that speech that she talks about her conviction and the stuff that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my trivia questions was almost what type of model was Britta? Oh, foot. 100%. Which, but I, I, yeah, I figured you would take an extra note of that. So I, need, <laughs> so I might not have needed to mention it. Yeah. And then Big we fan. follow up 
<laughs> we follow up Britta's introduction <laughs> with uh, Professor Duncan's introduction. And John Oliver is definitely one of my favorite parts of this pilot as well. The, I think so too. The chemistry between Joel and John is really funny. You can tell that they've had a history, uh, obviously, as Jeff being his lawyer. Um, they just play off each other really well. And this is. Yeah, one... they sound like old friends. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, this all is... the characters for the most part are strangers, you know. The conversation between the two of them when he's telling Duncan that he's a student here now and his issue it it's the first scene in the show that really feels like community that dialogue so mm-hmm. quip, so quippy and funny and Jeff is classic sarcastic Jeff his um oh you know Duncan and Jeff like I thought you had a degree from Columbia he's like yes and now I need to get one from America <laughs> that's not an email attachment yeah <laughs> Absolutely right. I uh, the thing that made me laugh probably the most in that interaction was was towards the beginning when Jeff was like, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm here as a student," and 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 uh, John Oliver goes, "Well, that can't be an inspiring journey," <laughs> just right away. And like you said, it's so quick, yeah. and that really is the first scene that kind of sets the tone for how people interact together. You know, and it's it's like they're making jokes, but they're still having their conversation. And it's moving forward, and it's it's really enjoyable. And it also really paints a picture of how we're expected to see Greendale. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a toilet. It's yeah. It's uh, not nobody's taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Which is also, it's funny because they you know so many people take it so seriously that yeah. that's kind of the you know both ends of the spectrum that make it so funny. The interaction about his what would have been a DUI incident is really funny when <laughs> Jeff said. I don't know if Jeff or Duncan says it, but that that so, I don't know how you were able to tie my DUI into 9/11, <laughs> 9/11. and let alone why that helped. <laughs> right? And he's like 2002 was, it just was a, a simpler different time. time. Simpler time. Yeah, it was really funny. Oh. And then from there oh we God. just get. Like... Go ahead. Yeah, and I like how they call back to it later in the episode, and he gives a little more specifics about you know what he was doing. And it's just, it's it's very funny. After that scene, we get just a really small hint of what is one of my favorite theme song sequences of all time. We just get a little spread out the cootie catcher that says community. And it made me okay, a little... Okay, see? Yeah. Now, in the version that I watched, it was not that. It didn't have the full theme... It didn't... So, okay, so that's what you were talking about. Yeah, because I, I actually wrote down opening graphic is trash because I love the community opening so much. This was like a Blair Witch Project on a sunny day. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's very clearly you know something they made for that, but I I had never realized that it was different. Why would they do that? I don't know. It was it was awful, and it wasn't the right song or like notes or yeah. even notes that would resemble the right song. I don't think they played any of the song in my version. Mm -hmm. It literally just showed the the folded out paper that says community. Yeah, that's interesting. This one did not show the paper. It was like interesting. Some different graphic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the theme song sequence to Community so much. I can't wait to hear it a thousand times while we do this. Oh, totally. I I'm not skipping it once. That's not how we roll. So from that, we go to the cafeteria, and there's just this little blurb of Pierce making a hot dog that is so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. And it paints Greendale in, like, just the perfect, you know, 
It's just That's a so great funny. view because because doesn't he take like a, a ketchup bottle and it squirts it's, out mayonnaise? Yeah, it's or full of mayonnaise. And <laughs> there's like a guy next to him that's just staring at him, and he hides it under like a thing that's just full of sliced bread. I, <laughs> Which why does really their cafeteria funny. have a bin of bread? It's According great. to the commentary, apparently when they had Chevy do this, he just did so much cafeteria material. They were like, hey, what can you do that's funny in a cafeteria? And he was like, oh, I can do this and this and this and like 150 different things. And then he just like did it for forever. And they were like, Chevy, we can use like 10 seconds of that. <laughs> I 100% believe that Chevy Chase has like a whole novel full of cafeteria material just waiting to be used. I don't think he plans that far ahead. <laughs> I just think he just... <laughs> I think he just goes. He just has fun in the cafeteria. Yeah. So Jeff comes up to Britta in the cafeteria and pitches her the the study group, and that's where we get that, oh, the guy who was playing Bejeweled on his phone all day. Mm-hmm. And Britta asks him to speak Spanish to prove that he really can, and he just mumbles off these random Spanish words that seem to work together. <laughs> she just goes with it. Right? Because what does she know? Yeah, I really need help with Spanish, she says, and Jeff, <laughs> I was willing to bet. <laughs> What's he say? Like, like you're an hour late for Spanish. I scratch my ear or something like that. I don't know. And then he says his name, Jefe. Jefe. <laughs> Jefe. Something really small that I thought was weird. When those interactions happened, the Spanish subtitles were like in the middle of the screen instead of on the bottom. They were in the middle. It was a little weird. It was really weird. Especially was... the one that stands out to me is when he says Jefe because it's like all by itself in the center yeah. of the screen. And it looks yeah. very strange. Doesn't really matter, but I thought that was a strange choice. Maybe it was to not mess with the like closed captioning that some people would have to be using. I don't know. Mm, that's a good thought. So then we get this little scene of Jeff talking to an older woman who is supposed to be the lunch lady. And mm. I guess there were several more scenes with the two of them in the original script for the pilot, and they cut all of them but this one. So that's really? why she says something at the end of their little interaction about like, Maybe you can pay for your tacos or something like that because she's a lunch yeah. lady and he wasn't paying for his food. Well, which also confused me. I thought that was a weird scene because it, it doesn't weird. seem like he would just go through and not pay for his food. Like there's nothing about him that would say that he can't, you know, afford it or anything like that. You know, he says that he makes or made a lot of money doing what he was doing. Yeah. So I thought that was odd. Now, I do like that actress. She was on uh, Bones. I enjoyed her a lot on that. She was also, if we have any Good Luck Charlie fans out there. Is that who that was? Next Door Neighbor. Yeah, she played Next Door Neighbor on Good Luck Charlie. Yeah, Mrs. Dabney. There we go. Yeah. Not that I've ever watched that show, of course. Never seen it. Never heard no. of it. I want to know, how do, you, how do you feel about that line? Oh, geez. I'm sorry. Uh, I was raised on TV, and I was conditioned to believe that every black woman over 50 is a cosmic mentor were you conditioned to pay for your damn tacos Seinfeld well and I think I think that's a funny line you know I I saw no issue with it I laughed when I saw it and I think it's true a lot of times you know we do portray the matronly older black woman you know ready to help you out sweetheart you know that yeah, sort of thing in a lot Jeff of Jeff walking movies. up to this lady and just saying that stuff I don't well know. exactly well and I feel like that's almost kind of a jab saying you know, his life is a tv show which allows him to say that, you know, but you could never go up to somebody and say that in real life. I think that would not be good at all. Yeah, that, <laughs> it seems more like an Abed line. It doesn't, Jeff doesn't seem... It absolutely seem, seems like an Abed line. That's true. I didn't think of it that way. Jeff doesn't seem like the type of person to be like, I'm seeing everything through a television lens. Mm -hmm. I think it's... a very Abed thing. Mostly that Dan Harmon sees things that way and he wrote the episode. <laughs> right? That Let's, makes sense. 
C. So then we get that little Seinfeld, it's Seinfeld mm-hmm. interaction. That's pretty funny. The next yeah. scene, we get Britta walking into study group, and she is the only person there. Uh, we see the classic study room, study table. Just seeing that room, I don't know. It just gives me the warm fuzzies. I know, it was cool, you know, because you, you picture so many... We all have different scenes that come to mind, you know, from mm-hmm. seeing the whole show mm-hmm. that took place in the study room, and you just kind of you jump right back there, and it's, and it's kind of cool. A lot of shows have their, like, location that all the characters hang out at that are iconic, you know, like Central Perk or... Mm-hmm. I don't know, and this one is just maybe my very favorite. I love it. I just love it. It's just I like comf- it because... It's just comfort. Exactly. And they and they can do so much in that room and so much you know in that space because it is, you know it's a, it's it's just a study room, but they do a really great job throughout the series of making it so much more than that. Right, and Jeff does this whole, here's the contact sheet trying to get Britta's number, <laughs> and mm-hmm. what I thought watching the scene, why does Britta like stay? Why does she sit down and talk to him? What does she think? Does right? she really think that she's got to know immediately that this is just a ploy? And that Jeff hasn't invited any other people, and that's pretty creepy. And she just absolutely kinda go, right. She kind of goes with it. They don't dwell and on I it think too that long. The fact that she no, I think the fact that she invites Abed shows that she knows that it's not legitimate. Right. Yeah. Right. She does do that, and that, they get the whole group together pretty fast. But for a second, I don't know. I just if Britta was a real person, I don't think she'd sit down and start telling this dude her deal. Who's no? Who's tricked her into coming to a fake study session? Absolutely, I think that is a little unrealistic. This is one of this is one of the things that makes me a little bit iffy about Jeff on this episode, which I hate because he's a great character. Joel McHale's great in this mm-hmm. episode. There's just a couple of things that were, I don't know, a little cringy. Absolutely, and and Jeff is not my favorite character in the show. I like Joel McHale a lot. Yeah. But I'm not the biggest Jeff Winger Jeff Winger fan myself. And I think this episode just kind of pushes why a little bit. Now, he's not, you know, this bad throughout the show, but he definitely comes off as kind of a jerk a few times. So they're talking about honesty, and then Abed walks into the room, and I love this little moment where it's breaking the awkwardness. Britta feels relieved that Abed is there, and she goes, woo! And then Abed just kind of, like, mechanically responds woo i don't know i thought it was really, yeah. really funny that he was just i don't know there are a lot of little abed moments in this episode that stand out that i don't think i've noticed before that show how great of a representation this is of someone who probably has autism without well, and i making it about that a hundred percent um i also in that scene is the first time he goes cool 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 which mm-hmm. was a nice little warm fuzzy moment for me mm-hmm. But I actually, I made note of how great a job that he, Danny Pudi does with that, because, and you know, I've worked with students with special needs with varying from, you know, severe autism to even more, you know, Asperger's and things like that, and he does such a great job with the mannerisms, even from, like, if you watch his gaze kind of jump from thing to thing, how his attention span kind of works and yeah. and things like that, I think is so good. And it's it's so, un, like, he's not, you know, doing it very largely so that your eyes go there, but he's constantly either, like, you know, moving his fingers or things like that that would just uh, display that sort of behavior. And I think it's just brilliant. Yeah, when when shows have characters like that, they usually do a lot of the same things that Danny Pudi does as Abed, but it just feels mm-hmm. so put upon or just over dramatic and not quite realistic. Absolutely. Um, probably my we'll get to it later, but probably my favorite little moment of Abed being 
real in this episode is in the end when they're all yelling on the steps. And, or, <laughs> no, no, it's not in the end when they're all yelling on the steps. It's when he he's in the study room and they're all arguing and he's covering his ears because it's too loud. Yeah. And he's the only one that's and not Brenda yelling. And walks in to comfort him. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice moment too. Uh, in the in this scene where Abed walks in for the first time, I love a couple of the jokes in here. Um, when they're talking about the Breakfast Club, and he says, "I've got one. I've got a real emotional one, and or a doozy <laughs> in case things get emotional down the line, which pays off really well Absolutely. later on." Oh my God! Yeah. And we Hilarious. also get that great. He's like, "Oh, I got a text. I've never gotten one of these before. Let's give this bad boy a read." <laughs> <laughs> Just like am I, it's probably just for you. He's like, uh, what does he say? He's like, uh, um, something, something. Say you I have, have to pee. pee. Say, you, say you have to pee. I need to talk to you. It's probably you just. Uh, just for say your you ride. have to pee. I need to talk to you. Say you have to pee. That is weird. Say you have to pee. Yeah. I need to talk to you. Do you have to pee? No. It's mm. so weird. Well, I'm stumped. And then Jeff gets a text from Duncan, which has a really funny. Miss abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. Like, con con for Satan. <laughs> yeah. And Abed's like, does it say you have to pee? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I like, there's a little, Jeff's like, do you have to pee? <laughs> and Abed's like, no. He's like, no. It's like creepy. Well, I'm stumped. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm stumped. <laughs> that was good. Also, I do have a little note here. I do not yeah. think that Britta looks like Elizabeth Shue at all. I was just about to say that. That interaction is really funny. She's like, hey, Abed, what's your read on that guy? You look like Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> like, it's it, so it, funny. She doesn't, it, you know. Well, then this next scene, we've got Jeff and Duncan out on the football field, which is a great scene, but it feels so weird having them be outside on a football field. Just compared to how small Greendale feels in later seasons, it just feels like this huge college campus. Like, what community college has a huge football field like this and a football exactly. team like that? Yeah, but not Greendale. <laughs> Jeff and Duncan have this great back and forth about moral relativism and if it's okay or not for him to steal the answers and mm-hmm. whether or not God exists. And it's right. really, it's really great. He's like, uh, you can't talk to me like that. A six-year-old could talk to me like that. Yes, they oh. could, and it would be adorable. <laughs> and Duncan like gestures with both of his hands in his coat pocket, and it's it's really funny. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, because yeah. you're a five-year-old girl, and there's a pecking order. I think it's really funny. I wish Duncan, I wish John Oliver would have been able to be a more consistent character on the show. I think he's so funny. I do too. I really liked his role on the show. So after this, we go back to the study room, and everybody's there. For the first time, everybody's there together. We've got the whole group. We've got Shirley, Abed, Annie, Riddles, Roy, Riddles, Roy the Wonder Boy. Yeah, and it's so great <laughs> to have them all in the same room. It's so funny. It um, was pretty great to see everybody back in the room. You know, for the first time, but for the first time in a long time for me, that was pretty great. Yeah, just, yeah, Jeff walking into the room, being surprised by all these people, and seeing everyone around the study room table. It's a great moment. Such a great ensemble cast. I also like how quickly Jeff makes his exit. He really doesn't give anybody to be introduced or anything like that. He just kind of gets the heck out. (laughs) Yeah, they immediately, all the characters immediately spout out things that are so true to their character. Like Shirley's like, Mm -hmm. I got to get home by 10 because they get rid of the babysitter. 
or um, right <laughs> and he's like when will the board certified tutor get here they're just they're just all like right into it for being a first episode i think that's really great right even it's if really they're good. not quite at 100 percent yet what they've got is great i think so for sure it really establishes that they already know who they are before you know we kind of get into it because sometimes you see characters in shows that act one way in the first couple episodes because they weren't really meant to be a main character or weren't meant to be really fleshed out or they didn't know if the show was getting picked up or anything like that. But right. these, they very clearly, you know, have their own identities already, which is pretty great. Then I love that, like you mentioned, Jeff's just like, I'm going to go grab my jacket, or I'm going to go outside for a second and I'm going to take my jacket, keys, and wallet with me. <laughs> and then he walks outside and there's Britta. <laughs> And this is another one of those scenes where I'm not totally on board with what they're trying to do with Britta, where she's like, I'll go to dinner with you if you can teach all these people. And he's like, I'll prove right? that they're untutorable. I don't know. This is just the most like sitcom-y, will they, won't they thing. And I don't know. I just don't care for it that much. That's not what I like this show for. I agree. I was never really a big fan of the whole Jeff Britta, whatever you want to call it tension or just just really whenever this show puts characters together romantically it's it just, not usually. it doesn't totally work for me but we'll get to that i think they did some of mm -hmm. it better than others yeah for sure all right so then next we get everyone's back in the study room after jeff promises to prove that everyone's untutorable so britta will go to dinner with him and he comes in to get them egged on and fight each other this is when we get that great scene of pierce introducing himself introducing hawthorne wipes and introducing the entire group really incorrectly <laughs> right totally i uh something about this scene that kind of struck me was how aggressive annie was early on um which like right away with shirley i feel like annie always kind of you know stood up for herself when she could but she was yeah. very quick to jump on shirley with stopping with the, the all the pumpkins and sweeties yeah that was a nice moment. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is where we get this great situation where they're all starting to get mad at each other. And I love the way that it progresses. That it just starts about them talking about how Annie's young and whether or not that she deserves respect because of it. And Shirley talking about how when you're an adult, you get respect. And everyone starts to fight. I just think it's really great how they, how they progress the conflict. Absolutely, and how nobody but Britta seems to realize that Jeff is just stirring the pot. You know, he jumps right away like, oh, well, Pierce, you know, let's talk about this. Or like, oh, it seems like you've got something pent up. Something, right. You know, really just kind of stirring it. And everyone's just kind of going along and being egged on by it, except, you know, Britta keeps looking at him like, what are you doing? But everyone else is kind of wrapped up in their own, you know, stance that they're taking <laughs> on whatever nonsense it is that they're taking a stand on at this moment because it's really over nothing, but it kind of really sets yeah. the tone for how stuff goes. <laughs> that interaction, yeah, how the group just all yells at each other and then mm -hmm. Jeff steps in to bring it all back together. Yeah, it it does set up that, <laughs> that feel that the show does a lot really well for the first time. Absolutely. Um, I love this little interaction with uh, Shirley and Pierce again where someone says to Pierce are you not aware that you've been sexually harassing her since the beginning of class? And Pierce is like, what? He's just like confounded. He's like, why would I sexually harass someone who turns me on? <laughs> and then the king that he is, Roy the Wonder Boy, <laughs> so, comes in, stand up for her. Like, that is sexual harassment. Yeah, I think that line's really funny. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like Pierce's character, which I totally get. It's probably a mix of all the Chevy drama and the, the type of jokes that they give him are pretty lowbrow. But I, I think he's looking- so funny, and he's such a pathetic character, and it, he's so specifically weird. And a lot of it's Chevy's mannerisms, but I just find the character hilarious. Just about every time he talks in this episode are some of my biggest laughs in the whole thing. Yeah, I like him. I think that he does such a great job of playing a character that you love to hate. Yeah. And those a lot of times end up being some of my favorite characters in shows. You know, even if I if I dislike Pierce. We get some great episodes in the future, like the Dungeons & Dragons episode that has a lot to do with Pierce as a villain and Pierce versus the group. That They get a lot of great mileage out of it. Um, after that little interaction with Pierce, then we get into the revelation that Troy and Annie went to high school together. Yeah. And that Troy was like this jock football icon at his school, and Annie was in a class with him and clearly had a crush on him, and Troy doesn't remember her like at all, which, how can you not remember Allison Bree? Yeah, I'd, I, mean, I get that he was hot stuff, but Allison Bree is still Allison Bree. In in what high school is Allison Brie like the plain looking one? You know what I'm like right? the one that, the one that you don't remember. Maybe Troy was just so full of himself that he, he didn't notice. And I guess Annie had her like pill problem, so maybe she was going through yeah. her own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe the pills changed her appearance a little bit. She's all cleaned up now, got herself yeah. together. Little yeah, Annie Adderall's little got Annie stuff Adderall. turned around for herself. Good for her. We love a comeback story. (laughs) So yeah, that gets everybody yelling. Everybody's good and pissed. Jeff is smug as hell. And I love the way that Abed's like moving his fingers as each person talks and like trying to keep up with everybody's dialogue but can't really. And then he breaks the silence. Absolutely. With with that great callback. It's a banner year at the Bender family. It's so funny. (laughs) And the way that Danny plays it, Abed almost drops a lot of his eccentricities to become the character that he's performing the dialogue of he starts like acting a little more confident and like using more facial expressions and you can just really tell that even though everyone else is like what are you doing he's just like falling into something i think it's really great and everyone just stares at absolutely that that may be my favorite you know part of the whole episode because you kind of it they do a great job of switching from Jeff's reaction, which is all smug and proud of what's going on, and then to Abed's face, who's like in a state of like panic and freaking out, and so he yeah. resorts to like he said, you know, he had something sealed away in case things got you know sticky, and it was like a spot on Judd Nelson impression that was just so like so good, which Super leads funny. to to that awesome shot where they it's almost from Abed's perspective of the um, of Annie and. Shirley and Pierce and uh, Troy all looking at him like, what the heck's wrong with you? You know, but it's it's really cool. Yeah, and that shot makes me think about how Troy and Abed, they're like in totally different universes in this episode. And their Absolutely. friendship is the heart of the show in a lot of ways. It, it's interesting to see that that clearly wasn't a plan from the beginning. Um, they've said in a lot of they've said on a lot of occasions that the original intent was for Pierce and Troy to kind of be like the buddy back and forth thing, but which they push for in this episode and in a couple episodes. Um, there's an episode coming up where, uh, Troy, there's like a plot line where Troy lives with Pierce. Yeah. And it starts like a Twitter feed where he tweets everything that Pierce says. And, Mm -hmm. And they are really funny together. 
but it's cool that I don't know they must have just seen the chemistry between Danny and Donald and put a lot more for their characters to do together which, which resulted in some of you know my favorite stuff in the show yeah oh yeah and a lot of times the end tags right before the credits are them doing hilarious things exactly <laughs> and it's interesting to watch this first episode and see what things that we know and love the show to be were there from the beginning and what things clearly weren't there yet. And it'll be yeah. fun to watch as they, as they come together. And it's really nice to see that some things did stay, you know, from the beginning yeah. into the later seasons. Uh, so Jeff gets a call from Duncan, and I think it's so funny the way that Duncan is, like, masking his voice. <laughs> but the first thing he says is, it's Duncan. <laughs> it's like, it's Duncan, come outside. It's Duncan. <laughs> he's like, what's wrong with your voice? I'm disguising it. <laughs> Goodbye, or something like that. It's really funny. It's so funny. John Oliver's like, so funny. That, that's just such like a, a good little bit that's, you know, very short time-wise, but mm-hmm. really is hilarious. Like, uh, come to the parking lot. And he goes outside. He's like, get in the car, get in the car. Get in the car. And Jeff gets in his tiny little smart car. <laughs> little smart car. <laughs> and he says something like, I thought the line was really funny. He's like, act as if you're about to drive or as if we've just been driving. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that was a good one. That definitely and, got a laugh out of me. And he hands him the big envelope full of test answers, which mm-hmm. I always thought this was another one of the weaker things of the pilot. I don't know why yeah. Jeff would think Duncan would be able to get him all of the test answers for all of for his... For all the classes for it the doesn't, whole semester. It doesn't quite track. I you quite. think, And let alone why Jeff would give his Lexus to Duncan for these test answers. Yeah, I feel like this was the part that I was the least invested in. I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention Yeah. to it. You know, like, I, I appreciated Duncan being in it and the jokes that were there, but I wasn't actually super invested in the actual, you know that part of it because it just didn't make sense for him to give him his right. Lexus. yeah their chemistry and the line delivery is great but yeah so jeff comes back into the room as soon as he left everybody started screaming again and jeff comes back with the envelope full of test answers feeling especially cocky because he's got everything down now and britta comes out and says dude you got to fix this you got to do something all these human beings are really upset because you manipulated them and you have to fix it so now we get Jeff getting ready for the first winger speech, and it's this weird... Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's still doing it because of Britta, and I wonder where the point is that that switches for Jeff to start caring about these characters, you know? Like, so far, he hasn't really given any of them the time of day other than, like, Abed, kind of. Right? He's he's really the only one who he's put any, you know, non-trying-to-sleep-with-them effort into. And that's just because Abed kind of glues to Jeff, and I don't know. Absolutely, and Jeff even says, you know, I, I see your value now, because he helps them out with Britta, so he kind of sees that as a an in. Right. Right, so now we get this great scene, Jeff's speech. We're the only species on Earth that observes Shark Week. Sharks don't even observe Shark Week, but we do. For the same reason, I can pick up this pencil, tell you its name is Steve, and go like this. Oh, And part of you dies just a little bit on the inside because people can connect with anything. We can sympathize with a pencil. We can forgive a shark and we can give Ben Affleck an Academy Award for screenwriting. It's just, it's just, it's 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 a quintessential community moment and it's a little cheesy, but that line where he brings it all together and says, I hereby pronounce you a community. 
that's nice. I love it. Yeah. I, I love that it's community college, but it's also community of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's a it's a nice way to slip the you know title of the show in there, and it really it's in a nice moment that you know kind of immediately you mm-hmm. know shifts to to funny again. Um, but this whole thing it cracks me up. I like the uh, right before he walks in, you hear Troy going, "I'm the Barack Obama of this room," and that yes. definitely made me laugh. But I I he's like, "What's the difference between you know?" humans and animals and i think troy's the one who goes feet feet and then pierce like no no no, bears have feet (laughs) yeah Uh, but i do have issue with one thing that jeff said here okay because he came at you know people for giving ben affleck an academy award for screenwriting but here's the hill that i that i'm gonna die on here the movie that that academy award is for is my favorite movie of all time goodwill hunting goodwill hunting right and i love that movie and sure maybe matt damon did most of the work. I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. But we we, we don't come for Goodwill Hunting. I'm 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 here for the Ben Affleck slander. But we, he also we... won the Oscar for Argo. He did, and I've never seen Argo. Argo's okay. Nice. I couldn't remember if he won for Gone Girl or Argo. I knew it was one of those. No, I don't think he directed or wrote anything for Gone Girl. I think he was just in it. He was just in it. Ah. Yeah, uh, that was uh, David Fincher. I think David Gone Fincher. Girl. Ah, I got mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. There's a really funny moment here. I keep going back to Pierce, but when Jeff is like, Pierce has got a lot of of stuff that we should listen to, and Pierce immediately goes into, well, the Dalai Lama and I. And Jeff's He's like, like and we'll all we listen to it. We once. should listen to him someday. <laughs> that was funny. I did like that one. I was hoping that you know the Dalai Lama story would explain the freaking beads that he's got on the whole episode, but... I also kind of like how the speech that Jeff gives is still kind of condescending to everybody. He says, like, Troy, so what, you think you were the best in high school? Maybe he was. (laughs) But yet it still works as this triumphant speech for everybody. Because he ends it by saying, you know, everyone's special, everyone's got something, you know. He's like, even if you're all losers and you're here, you know. (laughs) Yeah, he totally shows off that lawyering side where... He said earlier about how he used to make a lot of money for saying stuff. I don't know. It shows now he's using yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's one thing he says earlier is that he, you know, his whole life he he found out that, you know, if he just keeps talking, he gets to decide what's right and wrong, which goes into the whole, you know, God thing. Or right. in, in truth being relative and all that. And right. he definitely shows off that skill there that he just, you know, rambles on to a room full of strangers that he doesn't know, but makes them all feel like he does and that he's, you know, encouraging them. Uh, the things that he says for each person, I don't love what he says about Abed in this one. He's mm-hmm. like, and Abed's a shaman. You give him, you ask him for salt and he gives you soup because soup is better and Abed is better. What? And Pierce goes, soup? Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. He's like, soup? I wonder if that's a little tiny cut at the soup. I don't know. Oh. Maybe, maybe. it could be. Maybe. maybe that might. Be. That might be it. Jeff gives this big speech. He gets everyone feeling good, and then Britta totally calls him out for it. Yeah, absolutely. She's like, yeah, you know, I know what you were doing the whole time, uh, but we're gonna actually study now. So bye. Yeah, he's like, there, she's like, there's no way I'm going to dinner with you. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff says, well, I may be a lying creep, but I have got all of the test answers. And then everybody turns on Jeff. He talks about how he makes things up. He talks about how he lies and everyone turns against him. And the line in the whole episode, the one line in the whole episode that I thought cut the deepest was when 
Jeff, as he's leaving after everyone's mad at him, says to Abed, you have Asperger's. He just yeah. like, says it blunt like that. And that like cut. It like cut a little deep. It's like, why would you say that to him? Abed's just well, this yeah, because nice... because he was saying it not like, oh, you have Asperger's. He was saying it like Asperger's was an insult, you know. And that's he, yeah. Crappy. Abed says something like, "At first, I thought you were Bill Murray, but now I think you're Michael Douglas." And he's like, "You have Asperger's." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "That's just a low blow." And Abed yeah. obviously doesn't quite know what that is or if he has it. I don't know. It just wasn't the right mm-hmm. thing for him to say. That was probably the moment for me that I liked Jeff the least in this episode. Absolutely. I agree. I think it was just, you know, a low blow and it really like, you know, in real life, that would be a really awful damaging thing to hear somebody say about somebody. Right. And, and, you know, it would pretty early on make that person less redeemable to me. Right. And for that matter, the little Troy and Pierce giggling over the word Asperger. Asperger. That's not really my favorite either. No. They're really pushing that Pierce and Troy dynamic and the word Asperger is silly. That was an easy joke. They're better than that. It was. Yeah, I agree. And what's what's Pierce say? He's like, if it was something serious, should have called it meningitis or something. That's like a that. pretty funny joke, and I feel yeah, like, she- and I like Chevy that, probably but... improved that. Yeah, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. So now we cut to outside the the library, I guess is what it is. And this shot when it's nighttime and they're sitting on the steps. First, it's just Jeff opening up the envelope and seeing all the pages are blank. I think it's a really satisfyingly shot scene. I think it looks really great. Yeah. Um. And also, when he opens the the envelope and sees all the empty pages, there's this music cue that cuts in that I think fits really well, where he it's like bup 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 bup. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's just a nice like wrapping up the episode moment. Duncan swirling his wine in his office that he appears to maybe live in. <laughs> and- well. The- <laughs> He's got two wine bottles there. One of them looks totally empty, and the other one looks mostly empty, so he's clearly been sitting yeah, there. Yeah, he's been there for a while. And <laughs> Jeff comes in wanting his Lexus back, mad about the answers. And Duncan kind of goes the whole, how did you think I was going to get you all these answers in the first place? It was a lesson. you got to get over yourself. you got to do things the right way now. Jeff's like, why does everybody always try to teach me stuff? Now things are turning back on him, and he's got to look at how he's been bad. And it's mm-hmm. a nice moment. He and Pierce have a little moment where Pierce talks about all of his divorces. Yeah. It's what really he say? I, that was almost my trivia question for you is how many times was he married? Was it nine? Seven. He seven, married seven times. Seven or nine. It's like, I'm starting to think something's wrong with me. It's like, yeah, you <laughs> well, keep you... getting married. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I like that little interaction. It's kind of cool how the group kind of builds one by one, you know, with yeah. like the three guys out there and then, you know, the rest of the group comes out, but everyone's starting to realize that jeff has some good qualities and he probably needs some help and he definitely needs some help when it comes to spanish and everyone's starting to warm up to him which is really nice we get a really great classic troy line listen it doesn't matter you lose the jacket to please them you keep it to piss them off either way it's for them that's what's weak Wow. You just wrinkled my brain, man. Yeah, that That's was really, funny. you know, good one. Um, I also really did like the the part where they were all mouthing things to each other because Jeff's saying they're all sad and Abed is looking just so confused and he's like, can you guys hear me? Am I deaf? Yes. Yes. That was funny. Really funny. And everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, good, good. <laughs> and 
Abed like one by one looking at all the people talking silently. Yeah, I I I think Abed really shines in this episode. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I think he's the MVP. Uh, Jeff's a close second, but there's enough in this episode that's unlikable with Jeff. That, Absolutely. Yeah, Abed totally steals the show, and mm-hmm. maybe the entire series. You could say Abed steals the whole show. I think Abed really adds like so many of the things that are memorable about Community and, and things that people talk about. You know, still mm-hmm. wouldn't be. They, a lot of them came from Abed or something involving him, you know, mm-hmm. or he added to them so much, which is, he's such a, you know, integral, integral part of the show. Well, Abed's definitely the character in this, sh- pilot, in this show and in this pilot specifically that we haven't seen a character archetype like this a lot. It's the mm-hmm. thing that this show has going for it that's really original. Um, a lot of the other characters are pretty basic character archetypes. What makes them special are the quirks that they gave them and the actors and actresses that play them. But Abed's a really interesting character from the beginning. You like want to know more about him. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Danny Pudi does a great job of playing him specifically, but also giving him a lot of depth. In the audio commentary, um, they they compared Abed to Snoopy. Really? To how, to how Abed, he appears one way, but when he's on his own or when he's in a comfortable situation, he becomes so much more, and it's like the world is like his sandbox that he just like moves all the toys wow, around absolutely. in. Like Snoopy with the Red Baron and stuff like that, and I think that's a great analogy. That is, because I mean, there are so many sequences in the show that are you know so much in Abed's yeah. you know, imagination or the way that he sees the world. That it is, it is like that, and I think that you know, whereas you know Snoopy is always kind of there for Charlie Brown and the gang, you know, when they need him, kind of slipping in and doing, mm-hmm. you know, little things here and there to either help or hurt, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what he's trying to get done. Abed is kind of like that to the group that he's always there, you know, seeing it from a different perspective, or he's aware of so many more sides than everyone else is. So it's 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 cool. I think it shows that Abed isn't used to being part of a group of people like this so he's still kind of reserved but as the show goes on and he gets to know these people and can let himself go he's he's awesome and it it is like snoopy whereas the world's like a sandbox that he's playing in or the world's like a movie that he's directing i think it's really great absolutely and i think that i one thing that i really like about abed's character when it comes to you know portraying the world through someone with you know asperger's or anywhere on autism spectrum disorder you know whatever you know, level of it it is that he's someone who is at community college and is, you know, to some degree on his own in the world. And, you know, he's processing it the way that he can and he sees things through a different lens that I think adds just such a refreshing uh, point of view to the show that you really don't get in any other sitcoms. Yeah, it's such a testament to Dan's writing of the character and of the way Danny Pudi plays him. It's just great. So I'd be curious to know if either Dan Harmon or Danny Pudi has anyone in their lives or anyone like personal experience with it because it's so spot on a lot of the mannerisms things. Is it just research? Or I wonder if, you know, he actually has some experience with that in his life. I'm not sure. From hearing Danny talk about the way he played the character, it's clear that he took it very seriously mm-hmm. and he wanted to know Abed and how he acts and how he reacts to things. And, like, if Abed was referencing to some something, Danny would throw himself into it so he'd know what Abed was talking about. He was mm-hmm. like, if I'm going to be this pop culture encyclopedia that Abed is, I have to actually know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And that's one cool thing is it's, it's like Abed's, you know, um, autism is never a joke. 
you know, it no, can bring about joke. some comedic situations, but that is never the joke, and that's one thing that I love about it. And honestly, whether or not Abed is autistic or not, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter much to the show. That's not the point. Exactly, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Is you know, he is the way he is. You know, whether you put a, a name on it or mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. he is who he is, and that's okay. Yeah, and, and outside of Jeff saying you have Asperger's in this episode, for the most part, I think. All the characters are super respectful of how he is, and yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the cool things about Community is, you know, even though some of the characters are definitely, you know, sitcom tropes that you've seen before, they're all different and they're all outcasts. You know, for some reason or another, you know, even yeah. Jeff, as much as he wants to deny it, is an outcast. Yeah, you know, and and he kind of learns that as the show goes on. But it, it's it's cool because everyone comes together. You know, well, yeah, they he's... are a community. Jeff's totally an outcast because he was in you know, like the law world and he's been kicked out of it. And now he's at a college where he doesn't know anybody and doesn't appear to have a lot of people in his life. You know, he is totally not cast. He just thinks he's the coolest guy in the room. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like Troy in this episode a little bit. Exactly like Troy. And it's, it's funny, you know, thinking ahead in the show and I'm interested and I'm really excited to kind of see this again, you know, see the transformation that these characters are going to go through because of how different, you know, they are from now to Especially Troy. I mean, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, and Britta and Annie. Britta, Annie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shirley's Shirley's pretty much Shirley, but Shirley's Pierce's one of the Pierce. most underserved characters in the entire show. They don't they don't do right by her. I think. No, and I think that that I don't know what it stems from. Like why they chose yeah. to just keep her character pretty flat, or what it is. I don't know if her sole role is to just kind of paint that picture of a person, which you know we'll probably get into at some point further in the show but. yeah i think some of it might be that comedy and the people working on the show that it's kind of a boys game you know absolutely but i think maybe they don't always know how to write for the female characters um they definitely say that in the commentary about britta that they didn't really know who britta was yet mm-hmm. it's kind of like how when it's always sunny in philadelphia caitlin olsen had to tell the guys to like make d as weird as them and as like exactly. gross because that's how people are, and they didn't know how to write comedy for a woman like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with with it's always sunny. I mean, that's one of the best examples of you know them figuring it out because I think yeah. Dee's hilarious. Like, Dee she has hilarious. some of the funniest moments in that whole show. So to wrap up the way the pilot uh, closes out, so Jeff's out there one by one. The group come and they decide maybe to give this guy a chance. Britta's not so sure, but in the end, they're like, we're all going to work together. And they mm-hmm. walk back outside, leaving Jeff by himself with this really great cover of Don't You Forget About Me playing. Oh, and I love that. that just a really sweet great. moment to close out the episode. Um, awesome. Go ahead. Uh, I think that it was a really, really great ending. I think it was great mm-hmm. having the Breakfast Club song. I also, that pulls me back because there's a, there's a shot when Jeff and Duncan are standing in front of the football field. And I think Duncan's wearing that, like, duster jacket and that's very reminiscent of the end of breakfast club when judd nelson walks out in a similar uh walks to the football field with don't you forget about me playing and throws a fist up in the air wearing a similar kind of jacket and i was wondering if that was i'm I'm sure it was probably intentional but i think the 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 final shot was awesome with jeff by himself and the the song and then the episode is dedicated to john hughes the director Mm -hmm. of breakfast club who passed away the year community started 
So even that this show community that's so referential and does a lot of homages, even its first episode, which is one of its least referential and least like homage specific, was a, a, <laughs> an homage, an homage to John Hughes. And I think that's Absolutely. great. What a great way to start the show. Yeah. Um, it's not quite its chaotic, hilarious self yet, but that warmth and just good feeling that this show gives me was definitely there from the beginning. The cast knocks it out of the park. Um, I can't wait to keep watching more of it and fall in love with the show all over again. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. I think this was a great start to the show. I'm really yeah. excited for the next episode, which is one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I agree. It uh, It's one of the episodes that really got me into it. Since watching the pilot the first time, it didn't quite hook me. The absolutely. second episode, when I went back and watched the show, definitely did. Mm-hmm. I think it, it really you know sets the stage for a lot of the comedy that's, gonna, that's to come in the yeah. show, especially with the first couple seasons. Yeah. Any final thoughts about the first episode? Um, you know, I think it's a good start. As far as pilots go, it's not my absolute favorite, but certainly not my least favorite. But not um, many pilots are that good. Exactly. I think that, you know, shows like Arrested Development, great pilot. You know, The pilot like, for Arrested Development is probably my favorite comedy pilot of all time. It's, um, it's, it's so good. You know, you can't touch that, but I think mm-hmm. it is better than most... Yeah. sitcom pilots because usually they're just they're carbon copies you know every pilot yeah. is meet this character meet this character yeah. here's the love interest you know and, and this suffers from that a little bit but yeah. i think it makes up for it by how smart the writing is they don't exactly know what the show is going to be yet um in most pilots you know so they're just kind of trying to do something that's going to hook the audience and make them care about the love connection or make them care about the main character's plight to get them to come back next week and then they can start figuring out who these characters are and what the show's going to be and what makes everybody tick. And this show, you're you're right, the pilot does suffer from some of that stuff a little bit. But a lot of it is there. Mm-hmm. You can the spirits there and the Yeah, and you can see it. Yeah, you can. All right, well to wrap things up, typically at the end of these episodes, we talked about this pilot for well over an hour, but typically I'd like to end these with um, letting people interact with us if there are people out there listening. Uh, we've set up an email address for the show, and you can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, if you'd like to interact with us other places, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at can't disappoint podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at you can't disappoint, disappoint with one S and two P's. So, so, yeah. that's, so that's my <laughs> spiel about that. I hope people listen to this, and I hope people want to talk about the show with us. Tell us what you thought of the first episode, um, anything you want to know about our takes on the show or us in general. We're super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, we're just a couple of guys who really like a TV show, and you know that we're excited to share our thoughts with you and for you to share your thoughts with us. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and really just you know, really embrace this community community. Yes. Yes, we're going to create our own community community, hopefully. Hopefully. It's already a huge community of fans. I hope, it I hope, is. I hope so some people get on board with this. We're happy to be in the stratosphere. Yeah, like way on the outside edge of the stratosphere, but... Yeah. So yeah, I think that about wraps things up. This, this was yeah. fun. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Looking forward to episode two. We'll see you guys there. Yeah, next time we should definitely record it. Yeah, we I think We should definitely so. record this next time. <laughs> this was fun. This was a good practice. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll get back to you. Uh, we might be looking at a couple other options for co-hosts. I get it. But I get thanks it. for making yourself available. Don't hold your breath for a phone call. 
Yeah, you know, I understand. You know, when when uh, coming soon to you, uh, a, a podcast called Candy Crush Saga, the saga of my <laughs> Candy Crush journey. Also, we're starting an after show podcast, uh, Talking You Can't Disappoint, a podcast in which we will be <laughs> reviewing the podcast that we've just recorded. Yes, um, most of the episodes will be titled Disappointed and Can't Disappointed, Can't yeah. Disappoint <laughs> Podcast. Just a lot of disappointment everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, this has been really fun. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you join us next week for the next episode. Um, so, yeah, signing off. This is Zach. And this is Steven. We'll see you guys next time. From inside the Dreamatorium, this has been You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time.